join me as we sing our first song together, hymn number, in your hymn book, uh, number 11, Mountain of God. Please stand. school kids here now and you didn't get caught in the lobby already, Joy has a project for you guys downstairs so you can head straight down already. Good morning and welcome. As we just sang, come as you are, all are welcome here. The Spirit of God invites us all to worship the Creator at this time and in our places which dwell on Treaty 1 territory, the ancestral lands of the Métis Nation, the Dakota, the Cree, Ojikri, Dene, Hodenishane, and Anishinaabe. Just have a few items in the life of the congregation and a couple announcements. Our condolences go out to Anne Friesen on the passing of her husband Abe on May 12th. The funeral will be held this week on the 19th. We will remember to keep Anne in our prayers. Please feel welcome to stay for formation after the service today back here in the sanctuary where three couples will be sharing their challenges and blessings of their second marriages. There are a lot of springtime events happening this week, including the Garden Club, Little Bits of Grace at the park, and some youth events, so please take note of those details in your bulletin. I will call Mel up for an announcement, followed by Kyle. Joe is going to put a slide up there, and um, this is um, all about a service opportunity that maybe some of you have seen along the way as in spring and summer. I think this is going to be the ninth year that the city of Steinbeck has had large compost bins at two Steinbeck locations, Woodlawn School and Stony Brook Middle, and they've done the work trying to encourage our community to do composting and to take it seriously. So that instead of chucking yard waste or kitchen waste like peels and things into um, the garbage which go into the landfill, they've been encouraging people to take those to those two locations if you don't compost at home so that it can be composted by the city and that which it's supposed to do, which is grow more stuff, continues to happen as that which is used becomes soil again. 
Now those bins are serviced by volunteers. This year, Grace was asked by someone from the United Church who partners with the city by providing volunteers to consider becoming part of the project by taking charge of certain times and days. Because if you've been to the bins, you notice that there's either one or two or sometimes even more people sitting there, but you only need one. So what they would be doing is sitting at the bins, watching as people come and helping them to either dump it into the bin or just discerning what's in their compost so to be sure that it's compostable so that it can again be put into the bins and uh, taken by the city to be composted. The job that they would be asking volunteers to do is to sit by the bins on Saturday from either 9 to 12 or 12 to 3 or Wednesday evening from 5 to 8. So then when folks come, you can help them dump it into the bin, like I said, or just sit there as they do. This is uh, an opportunity to do not only, I guess, volunteering work, which is what I said, but to actually do an environmental action because you would helping, as it says on the bins, to keep the landfill healthy, and you would be composting if you don't already do that at home. So here's the thing. I'm wondering if Gracers would like to participate in this good project. If so, there's a sign-up sheet at the back, and I'd like you to sign it up, or to email the office, or to even phone me if you have any questions. All we would need are 12 people, or 12 families, or 12 couples, to be there for two three-hour shifts during the 18 weeks of June, um, June and October if we would have 12 units volunteering. Now, I look out here and I say, that's not that hard. Sometimes somebody might even bring you coffee. Sometimes somebody might even just drop by to say hi. Anyway, consider it. I think it would be really encouraging to uh, those who do this, who do the composting. Like I said, it's an environmental action and something that helps the city, the community. So consider being a volunteer. Twelve groups, only two times for three hours during the whole summer. I think you'd enjoy it. And if you don't want to spend six hours with Mel, you can spend a week with me. Lucky you. Uh, nine of our last 12 years, we have spent a week of our summer taking um, young and older folk up to Pangasi to do family camp. Pangasi is a First Nation on the east side of Lake Winnipeg, and we're pandemics messed it up, forest fires messed it all up, but we're hoping to restart that this year. So I do need a few more people of any ages to come, and just as a fun little hey, I want to come this year, or maybe I'll consider coming next year, or hey, my kids will go in a couple of years. We, here's a two-minute two video of what camp looked like in 2019, the last time we went.
So if you're interested in joining us, I'll be around for the next forever. I'll be around. <laughs> Please join me with the call to worship. It'll be projected up on the screen. There we go. Jesus calls us to praise and prayer, to song and silence. Jesus calls us to hearing and healing, to service and solidarity. Jesus calls us to advocacy and action, to protest and provision. We hear the call of Christ. We worship together with joy.
as uh, part of my sermon prep this week, I was going to use a really great video that I found, um, but then I realized that all the kids wouldn't be here for the, that part because they're at Children's Church, and if your kids are like my kids, they're like zombies when it comes to videos. Ooh, must watch. And so we're going to watch a video now for the adults and for the kids. If you know any Christians, or if you happen to be one, you've probably heard the word gospel as a kind of summary of Christian belief, connected to phrases like, God loves you, or Jesus died for your sins. But over time, religious words like gospel can lose their power and meaning by becoming too familiar. So let's take a moment to rediscover what this important word, gospel, meant to the people who wrote the Bible. Gospel translates the Old Testament Hebrew verb, biser, and the noun, besorah. The Greek New Testament equivalent is euangelion, which is a compound word. Eu means good, and angelion means announcement. All of these words mean good news, but what kind of news? Well, in Hebrew, biser is what we might call national news, or a royal announcement. Like when King David hears a messenger biser that his army was victorious in battle. That means he still rules on his throne over the people of Israel. And after David dies, his throne is passed on to Solomon, his son. And when he was inaugurated as king in Jerusalem, a herald spreads the Besorah, that a new ruler is in charge. But after Solomon's death came a bunch of bad news kings, whose corruption led their nation into self-destruction. This is why the prophet Isaiah announced the good news that one day the God of Israel would come as the cosmic king to confront all corrupt and violent kingdoms and restore his rule over all nations. And so, when Jesus of Nazareth hit the public stage, he continued Isaiah's gospel when he went around announcing the euangelion of God's kingdom. Jesus claimed that God was restoring his reign over his people Israel and over all nations, and he was the one bringing it all about. Now, the euangelion about a new king in charge means a new way of life. Jesus said that living in God's kingdom meant following him by putting down the sword and seeking peace through radical forgiveness and generosity even toward your enemies. His good news required people to make a decision. This is why Jesus took his euangelion to Jerusalem to confront the corrupt and violent kingdoms of his day. But he challenged them in a surprising way with the power of God's generous love. As Jesus was being executed by his enemies, he received his crown and was mocked as a fake king. But he displayed true royal authority by forgiving his tormentors. Jesus was the one in charge that day, giving his life for the sins of others. And then, a few days later, everything changed. Jesus rose from the dead as the true king, whose love is stronger than death. He appeared to hundreds of his followers and told them to spread the euangelion, that all authority in heaven on earth now belongs to him. And they did share this good news all over the ancient world. They did it by writing the four accounts of Jesus' life that are the gospel. That is, they tell the story of how Jesus brought God's kingdom, how he lived for others and died for their sins, and then was raised from the dead. Jesus' followers also shared the good news by simply talking about it. This is why Peter and Paul, or Priscilla and Aquila, traveled all around sharing the royal announcement. While it might look like the rulers of our world are in charge and can do whatever they want, the good news is that the crucified and risen Jesus is the true Lord of the world, the real king of all creation. And in Jesus' kingdom, things are different. It's where the real leaders are the servants because the last are first and the first go to the back of the line. It's where the hungry are fed and the homeless are welcome because love is the most powerful reality of God's kingdom. And this good news is not easy to believe. It actually sounds kind of crazy when you first hear it, but something happens when people tell the story of Jesus and start living like he really is the king of the world. That's when this gospel becomes the best news that you've ever heard. And that is a great transition for a puppet show. Come on up, kids. And afterwards, it's going to be your coins count, so parents and grandparents get ready. And it's the last Sunday of coins count, so if you haven't given yet, you can give an e-transfer still.
to see how he's doing. Ready? One, two, three. Fin the dragon! Oh, hi, kids! Hi, Mel! Do you want to hear a joke? Of course. Yeah, you do. Okay, a camp leader once took some kids canoeing, but they got lost. And after weeks of staring at a map and paddling where they thought they had to go, the leader looked up and said, Well, after two weeks of paddling through this forest trying to find our way home, I have some good news and bad news. Which do you want first? The good news. Of course you do. The good news is that very shortly, you're all going to be able to put on a new pair of socks. Oh, I bet the kids were very excited. Oh, they were. They even cheered. Woo! But wait, what was the bad news? The bad news was you all got to take off your socks and give them to the person beside you. And then voila, a new pair of socks for everybody. Ah, uh, oh, Finn. But hey, your jokes remind me of the gospel lesson today. What? They do? Dirty yep. socks? Yep. See, the people who were good friends with Jesus were called his disciples. And after Jesus rose from the dead, they went around telling everybody about Jesus. And the words they used were good news. Huh. Like, hey friends, I got a good news, bad news joke for you? No, Finn. Oh. Okay. But what was the good news? They went around telling stories about forgiveness, about saying sorry when we make mistakes. Oh, that is good news. They went around telling everybody about how Jesus wants us to leave each other, to love each other, even if we're different. Oh, that sounds like great news. And they went around telling people how much God loves them. That sounds like the best news of all. And they went around telling stories about how, how to share our money. Like coins count. Like coins count. Oh, these stories of Jesus certainly are good news. Thanks for sharing them, Mel. You're welcome. Ooh, one more thing. Yes, Finn? I have another joke. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Two siblings were fighting over a cookie after their parents put them in timeout or time in, whatever you want to do. They came back together, and the younger sibling said, <clears throat> I have good news and bad news. The good news is I'm ready for peace. The bad news is I'm ready to eat your piece of the cookie. Uh, oh, Finn. I know. <laughs> okay, kids, it's coins count time. Willa and Johnny and Zach are going to give you some buckets. It's the last time, so get your buckets, and then bring up the coins, and then off to Children's Church you go. Bye. Bye. Okay, let's um maybe I didn't even need this, but I'll have it anyway. Well, it's uh, Okay. Let's start singing as they um, <clears throat> start to collect. My coins count. Oh, this happens every time that I do it and we don't start. So here we go again. My coins count. My coins count. Sitting in my pocket when they could be doing good. My coins count. My coins count. God will make a difference in the world. If we look around, there are people that we see all around the world. Needing food and water and a chance to live in peace, we can make a difference in the world. My coins count, my coins count, sitting in my pocket when they could be doing good. My coins count, my coins count, coins count, God will make a difference in the world. If we look around, there are people that we see all around the world. Needing food and water and a chance to live in peace, we can make a difference in the world. My coins count, my coins count, sitting in my pocket when they could be doing good. My coins count, my coins count, God will make a difference in the world. 
If we look around, there are people that we see all around the world. Needing food and water and a chance to live in peace, we can make a difference in the world. My coins count, my coins count, sitting in my pocket when they could be doing good. My coins count, my coins count, God will make a difference in the world. We gotta keep my coins count, my coins count, sitting in my pocket when they could be doing good. My coins count, my coins count. God will make a difference in the world. My coins count, coins count, sitting in my pocket when they could be doing good. My coins count, my coins count, God will make a difference in the world. Thank you all for your generosity, and um, this is all going to be going to the Grow Hope Project, and um, if the water is ever off the fields, there will be growing fields. Yeah. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for this time to gather, to have our hearts and our minds restored and refocused on you. While there is much to despair about in our lives and in the world around us, as the season suddenly turns to spring, we are daily reminded that your work is renewal and new life. We thank you for this and ask you to help us to tune in more closely to your loving work all around and within us. We pray today for all of those in our church and our community who are encountering extra struggle right now, those we know of and those we don't know of. We pray for Anne as she begins life without her husband Abe. We pray for Reagan, Gord, Raylin, Lori, and Matt as they live with ongoing health concerns. In the week ahead, help us to remember that the first are last and the last are first. Help us to give with open hands, minds, and hearts. Remind us of your good news. Amen. Please stand again as we sing hymn number 390 in your hymn book, In Christ There Is No East or West.
We will together be praying through the words of Mark 16, verse 15. I will read this verse three times, pausing between each reading. You are encouraged to be mindful of which words, phrases, or images resonate with you. After the third read, after the third read through, I will end with Amen. Let's pray together. And Jesus said to his disciples, Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. famous author and playwright William Shakespeare said that every story could either be understood as a tragedy or a comedy. On that note, the Leafs lost in the first round of the playoffs again yesterday. <laughs> and so that's a tragedy, right, Mel? It's a tragedy. And so because our scriptures say to mourn with those who mourn, we are, we are with you here, Mel, and we will add you to the prayer list. Yes. Okay. Um... Kyle, tell me about evangelism. I was having coffee with a friend from here, someone I knew as a smart teenager and has now completed many more years of university than me. And I love being here at one place long enough to see all the kids grow up to be smarter than me. However, when they're smarter than I am, that means that I need to be on my game. So when I'm asked the question, what's the deal with evangelism, I better be ready for a good conversation. I rambled a bit, risked being preachy, but by, but by the end, my friend felt I had done all right. Whew. And they even gave me permission to turn our conversation into a sermon. So what is evangelism? Well, back to the basics, as our video showed, it comes from the Greek word euangelion, which means good news. So evangelism is simply telling other people good news. But then I think the question is, what is the good news? So now we can go into one way that some people understand it. About 15 years ago, I was at a seminar about starting churches, and the guest speaker at this one seminar had started a church in Winnipeg that had grown quite large. And when asked, why start a church, he said, because 500,000 people in Winnipeg are going to hell. He certainly knew an answer to what's the good news. Jesus is the key to getting to heaven and avoiding hell, so let's all go share the good news. Probably not so good news if you chose not to be a Christian. <laughs> he at least knew his purpose in life. And he wouldn't be alone in thinking like this. This understanding has been around for hundreds of years, and it has spawned all sorts of missionary work around the world, and over time it kind of all got wrapped up in colonialism and religious wars and the doctrine of discovery and people showing up thinking they were superior to each other or to others. And there were, then there were other threats of eternal damnation and cultural genocide and all wrapped up in political power. But if we're saving souls from hell, shoot, of course the ends justify the means. Eternity is an awful long time, isn't it? Heaven is good news. And while I am absolutely grateful for some understanding of afterlife and do find great comfort in it, I don't really think that convincing people that hell is real so they don't go there is maybe good news. Like, 
are we so arrogant to think that the God who loves the entire world only lets people who think like us into heaven? Okay, so if turn or burn doesn't sound like good news to you, and it doesn't really to me, then the question still remains, what is the good news? Or maybe, is there good news? I'll start small. Last week, my kids picked up trash. Ariana talked to Debbie Cron about what books she was reading. John Peters was impressed with how hard Milo and Zach worked. I was, although he was probably happy that he had some shorter people to pick up trash. He didn't have to bend over as much. And after we were done picking up trash, Milo, my youngest, who turned six this summer, he said to me from the back of the car, Dad, the earth is happy. Extra grandparents investing in my kids and making the earth happy is good news. And that is baked right into what we do. Extra grandparents reminds me of a conversation with my cousin when he was in med school. He had just finished his geriatrics round. Geriatrics is like study or the working with older people. And he was telling me how excited he was to have spent time with all of these seniors. And I asked him, I said, Besides our grandparents, whom you really only see a couple times a year at family gatherings, where else do you spend time with seniors? And he said, very gently and kindly and honestly, oh, I don't. Hmm. And when we take our own kids, like me and Ashley, or Ashley and I take our own children to have lunch at Bridge Park Manor with Ashley's grandparents, all the residents walk by and smile at the kids, and when they're being a little rambunctious, was usually greeted with graciousness. And how often do those residents spend time with kids that aren't their own grandkids or great-grandkids? I think it's good news that intergenerational community is baked into what we do. And the middle school kids right now are downstairs prepping a lunch for the seniors in two weeks. Even if some of us, oh, I think, inter, in, oh, I missed my joke. I'll set that one up again. I think it's good news that intergenerational community is baked into what we do. Even if some of us will never understand why those kids keep paying full price for jeans that have holes in them. There it is. <laughs> Did you know that in the UK government, like in England, they have a minister in their cabinet of government dedicated entirely to what they called pre-COVID, the loneliness epidemic, especially amongst seniors. I think it's good news that we have stories of seniors every Thursday, and I also think it's great news that all of them became really good at using Zoom. Plus, if you're lonely on Monday mornings, show up here at Grace Mennonite Church, and you not only get to see people and have a coffee break, but you also get to make hundreds of sandwiches and pack school lunches to feed children all across the region. Ensuring enough food for all is good news. And it is happening here. Hmm. And seeing all of you 60-year-olds and 70-year-olds and 80-year-olds and a few extra folk show up and work hard is inspiring. Those of us who are still working, we see you. And when you die, not that we wish that anytime soon, but it does happen. We know who shows up to your funerals to serve coffee, right? Because honoring our dead as beloved members of our community is good news. Speaking of honoring each other, I went on a middle school retreat two weeks ago and I had a blast. I think the kids did as well. Now that I'm a parent of a middle school kid and realize, whew, they get, they're pretty grumpy when they come home. <laughs> but at that retreat, do you know what I saw? I saw adults, known here at Grace as youth sponsors or as youth leaders. I saw them invest in your children, in my children, in strangers' kids. I saw kids laughing and playing with no expectation of being better or trying harder or winning the competition or their value and place in the community being based upon how good they were at performing their thing. These kids went to, some of them were strangers to each other. They didn't know each other before the weekend. And they went to each other almost immediately and said, Hey, do you want to play Uno? Come play Jungle Speed. 
And we were playing a game, a tag game called Yoshi, and one of them even, and we even named one of our teams Team Gluten-Free to make sure that those of us who had a different menu felt included and valued. I was on Team Gluten-Free and our cheer was, what are we? Gluten-Free. Who are we? The, no, who are we? Gluten-Free. What are we? The better team. <laughs> the other team disagreed with that. <laughs> Such good news. And the, and the requirement to come to this retreat? $100 or pay what you can. I get that we as parents basically take on second mortgages for hockey and dance and music and swimming lessons. But at this retreat, it was for everyone. Cost was not going to be a barrier. But that doesn't happen alone. That happens because a community has gathered and practiced generosity. And we model it and we teach it so that when Coins Count comes back, even after a two-year hiatus, the kids in my house go, yes, Coins Count. Although they are very, they're a little, I'm working on getting them excited to give their own money, not my money. <laughs> Although they've had to lose a few teeth for their piggy banks to be full. So I understand it's a bit of a non-renewable resource for them. <laughs> because generosity is baked into what we do. Oh, by simply giving to the church budget, you are helping feed people here and around the world. You are helping sponsor refugees. You are helping seniors housing. You're helping fund a chaplain in the hospital. You're helping send kids to summer camp. You're helping us go to Pangasi. You're helping pay for someone's counseling. You're helping pay for someone's funeral. And you're helping create community that gives life. All of this is good news. But we don't, take we don't do generosity and we don't do helping others for ourselves. We do it because it's rooted in the message of Jesus. Here's something else that is good news. We here at Grace Mennonite Church are part of a church tradition that is one of three historic peace churches. It's us and the Quakers and the Brethren in Christ. We are the ones who have always said officially no to war and violence. I know there's a full range of interpretations on that, but we are the ones who officially have said no to war and violence. That's it. There are other branches of Christianity and sects and stuff who have said the same, like the Franciscans are part of the Catholics. But even by the most generous standards, let's let in all of the PC people, we are actually still a very small minority that takes the love ethic of Jesus quite seriously. And in the past three months, I've thought a lot about what pacifism in Jesus, I thought about pacifism in Jesus and what that looks like if we were in Ukraine. But you know what? Let's, I'm not going to answer that question today, but let's go one step further. And I wonder why in the world the Russian Orthodox Church is in bed with the Russian government that is killing civilians and blessing their violence. Like, I usually don't dunk on other religious expressions, but seriously, if Jesus and his call to love and how he treated his enemies and how he healed people and preached forgiveness and engaged in nonviolent struggle against the principalities and powers of the world, if that part of the Jesus story was told over and over again and over again for hundreds of years, saying war is hell and don't do it. Shoot, maybe then those of us who are pacifists wouldn't even have to wonder what we'd do if we were in Ukraine. Because it might not have happened. What would happen if the church leaders in Russia, Patriarch Kirill, his name is, Google it, it's depressing. It's got nice jewelry though. What if he went to Vlad and said, war is hell, have fun burning in hell for eternity, you schmuck. Feel free to put us in jail because we won't spend one ounce of energy contoning your stupid violence. They're blessing missiles instead. If he did that, that would be good news, wouldn't it? Would it stop the war? Nah, maybe not. Would it give the church a heck of a lot more integrity? Definitely. But it also did make me wonder if churches here can go around and dunk on politicians of countries whose soldiers kill civilians in other countries, because then I'd probably have to tell Barack Obama and Stephen Harper and Justin Trudeau that they're going to hell with Putin, let alone all the other politicians who support war, because Canadian and American soldiers have killed civilians. And we can't do that because we like these people and we vote for them. We give them our money. So let's just support our country and hope for the best, like the Russian Orthodox Church is doing. Do we have any good news? Maybe we do, actually. I think with full integrity, we can double down on the love ethic that Jesus has for everyone. And maybe that message is ours. But I get it. Loving people who make us angry is hard. They're stupid.
But here's some good news. We've got prayers for that. We've got prayers to help us pray for people being stupid. And do you need help forgiving people? We've got prayers for that too. Need help if your ego was getting in the way? That's not most of our problems, is it? We've got prayers for that. Need help, is, need help if everything is bleak and you think that God maybe isn't there? We've got prayers for that too. Although we kind of have to borrow the Catholics there, St. John of the Cross. Are we angry, sad, afraid, alone, filled with grief, rage, fear, joy, hope, longing? We've got prayers for all of those. We don't have to make it all up. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to wonder if anybody has felt the same way that we have or have faced similar circumstances in history, because they probably have. It's probably worse than our lives. <laughs> but we are part of a 60-year-old tradition here at Grace Mennonite Church. And we, as Grace Mennonite, are part of a 500-year tradition as part of the Anabaptist Mennonite movement, which is part of the 2,000-year-old story of Jesus, which is part of the 6,000-year-old Jewish story. There's wisdom there, a lot of it. And one of the cool things about religion is when you leave the dualistic thinking of who's right and who's wrong and see faith as a wisdom tradition that helps us to be less angry and less selfish and more loving and then we get to participate in it, it opens up all sorts of pathways and transformation. All sorts of pathways to transformation. That sounds like good news. Here's some more good news. None of these things are exclusive to Christianity. The pacifism thing is a little unique, but the rest of it, not exclusive to our story. Intergenerational garbage pickers who confess their sins and selfishness while addressing food security at the same time as playing uno with middle school kids, affirming each other's identity as beloved while praying for transformation and serving coffee at each other's funerals, those things can and do all happen elsewhere. And that is okay. The Evangelion, the good news, is not limited to our little expression of faith. God is bigger than that and always has been. But the good news about the good news is that even though it's not only found here, it is found here. There is good news here. So I think the challenge of talking about evangelism is threefold. Number one, I think that we have to and continue to find ways to name and confess when our own arrogance and superiority and sin have gotten in the way of the good news. Like we as Christians have pooched the bed, right? We know that. I think that sometime in the penalty box to think about what we've done is very appropriate. I also wonder if there are ways that we can talk about our faith and say we are trying to form a community that seeks to love God and each other and collect some coins. And are we allowed to say we think that you're allowed to join us? Can we still do that with integrity? Or has all the sin and baggage of our history ruined it? And it would, and it would be better if we weren't here. And number three, at the root of all this, I think lies the question, what's the good news? Is there good news? And if there is, what do we do with it? So that is the question I'm going to leave you this week. What's the good news? When you go home and talk about church, how was it? It was exciting, boring, liked the kids, good songs, didn't know the songs. So they're all very short answers. Ponder to yourself and the people in your house or that, you, or that you're with. Ask yourself, what's the good news? Is there good news? What is it? Amen. Please stand with me again as we sing our last uh, song together. Christ is our cornerstone, number four in your hymn book.
before Tara has the benediction, and maybe I missed something. I was sort of rummaging around at the beginning doing things. I don't know if it was highlighted or not, but on Wednesday, if you take a look at your bulletin afterwards, the Seniors Soup Lunch at 12 noon, um, that's going to be a good event. We've been having stories with seniors, as Kyle mentioned, and we are doing a bit of a end of a year wind up by having a lunch, and we would like all who consider themselves seniors to come and enjoy a soup lunch together in the basement at 12 o'clock on Wednesday. Joy's going to be working with that, and I will as well. So you need to RSVP so we know how many people to prepare for. If you'd like to be there, it would be great to have you there on Wednesday. May the Christ who walks on wounded feet walk with you on the road. May the Christ who serves with wounded hands stretch out your hands to serve. May the Christ who loves with a wounded heart open your hearts to love. May you see the face of Christ in everyone you meet, and may everyone you meet see the face of Christ in you. Amen. <laughs> 